Well, good evening. Wonderful to be back in the Lord's house tonight. We appreciate each of you that have come to share with us in the service. And it's good to have our director of missions, uh, Brother Mike Farmer and his wife Gwen with us tonight. And we welcome them. He called me a few weeks ago and wanted to know if we had services on Sunday evening. And I said, yes. And he said, well, I'll be dropping in. So uh, he, he's here tonight. We're glad. <clears throat> Take your Bibles tonight and let's go back to the book of Acts chapter 2. Uh, started preaching on the subject of, that Jesus gave us over in Matthew 16. Uh, the first Sunday I came as your interim pastor about Jesus said, I, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I find it unusual that the passage of scripture that we're reading from tonight happened on Pentecost Sunday. Would you stand with us as we read from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. If you're able to stand, if you can't not, that's okay. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the privilege just to be in your house tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you have set before us. And Father, we just come tonight to ask you, Lord, that you would just send your Holy Spirit to speak through us tonight, Lord, and to speak to us, Lord. And Father, we pray that your word will be proclaimed in a way that is easily understood, and Father, that it will find a resting place in each of our hearts, that it will draw us closer to you and help us to be more like you. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us and we ask your blessings upon this church and we pray that, Lord, that you would send the pastor here that you have already picked out and, Lord, we thank you that you know exactly who they need and, Father, we just pray that your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. I think I told uh, Brother Harold and Sister Evelyn Wednesday night, we sat out under the shed there during Bible school registration and talked a while. And I, I said, I've been studying about uh, a healthy church. What's a healthy church look like? And I got to thinking, <clears throat> when you and I go to visit our, our doctors, they check our health in very many ways. One of the things they'll do is listen to your heart. They want to know if your heart's okay, if it's pumping right. They'll tell you to take a big deep breath and they're checking your lungs out to see if you're breathing right. 
depends on what reason you go. If you go for a physical or something, they may check you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And they're checking to see that everything is in working order because if it's not, then we're not deemed as healthy. If we've got something that's not working properly. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work around the house this week and uh, put up some scaffolding and did some painting and I hurt my back taking that scaffolding down. It almost fell on me and I, I held on to it and wrenched my back. So my back's not so healthy tonight. But uh, then wound up putting a dishwasher in, which I didn't have any idea what a job that was. I went on YouTube, you know, and this guy, he showed me in 15 minutes how to put a dishwasher in. Took me all day and then I still didn't get it in. But, you know, I learned some things as I did that. But we see in this passage of Scripture some traits of a healthy church. And I went back and picked up verse 41. I realized we, we mentioned it last Sunday. But I wanted to tie it together with this because it talks about then they that gladly received His Word were baptized. Peter had just finished his message, the first message to the church. God had blessed him and God had used him. And it, it always amazes me how God uses different people. Peter, of course, is the one that denied Jesus three times. But here he is, the premier one to preach the gospel on Pentecost Sunday. The very one to open up the church. The very one that the Lord would use for several years here in preaching the gospel and carrying the gospel even to different nations, that Peter was the one that the Lord chose. And I, I want us to look at the first trait of a healthy church here in verse 41. They gladly received the word. Did you get that? They gladly received the word. They didn't grumble about it. They didn't fuss about it. They didn't question it. They didn't deny it. They gladly received the Word. And that's one of the marks of a healthy church is that it's Bible-based. There's so many churches today that you listen to their, their worship services and those kind of things, and there's very little, if any, of the Word of God that is read or spoken in it. No wonder that things are happening and falling apart because our faith is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the only thing that we know about the Lord Jesus Christ, we find it in the Word of God. So if we don't believe the Word of God, we don't really believe Jesus. But they gladly received His Word. And notice, they were baptized. They followed the Word. They received it into their hearts. They received Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And then they followed Him in believers' baptism. They proved who they were in this world. They stood out from all of the rest. And it says the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. It was a growing church. Remember, Jesus started with 12. 12 people. I, I kind of know where He was at. When God sent us to Battle Creek, Michigan to start a church there, we started with a group of about 12 people. But this church far exceeded what has ever happened in Battle Creek, Michigan. This church grew from 12 to 120 to 3,000. 
just that quick. The very first, very first service they had here, and there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now somebody said it's not important for us to count numbers, count how many people are baptized. Well, the Bible says so right there. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's something to get happy about. Do you know it? That's something to brag about. When God adds that many people to his church at one time. And it happened there in that one day. But notice in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Steadfastness. They were not wishy-washy. They were steadfast. You could depend on them. They were steadfast, they continued steadfastly. How? In the apostles' doctrine. Peter and the other apostles were teaching and preaching the word of God to them, teaching and preaching what Jesus had told them to teach and to preach, and they continued steadfastly in that. I've had people to tell me, well, I don't like doctrinal preaching. Well, you won't ear tickling preaching. That's what you'll get if it's not doctrinal. If it's not coming out of the Word of God, yeah, it'll tickle your ears. It might make you feel good, but it may cause you to miss heaven too. They continued in apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. A healthy church is a fellowshipping church. The word fellowship there, it's, it's the Greek word koinonia, and it means a sharing of our lives with each other. They were sharing people. They spent time together. They, they loved each other. They fellowshiped together. They worked together. And a healthy church has a good fellowship about it. And they were breaking of bread. This breaking of bread refers to the Lord's Supper. Notice the two ordinances that are mentioned there, baptism and the Lord's Supper, is mentioned in this one passage of Scripture. And they did this, breaking of bread. It was an important thing to them. It wasn't something they tacked on around Easter or something of that sort, but it was a regular thing that they observed. Jesus said, as oft as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And they were remembering what Jesus had done for them. And it was a church that was a praying church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Just read through the book of Acts. And every time that you see the word prayers there, just underline it and see how often they prayed. They spent time in prayer with God. A healthy church is a praying church. A church that, that really wants to talk with the Lord and really wants to listen to the Lord and wants to hear from the Lord. You see, there's as much in praying, in listening, as there is in talking. I find myself sometimes wanting to do all the talking to God, but very little listening. But when I'm willing to listen, the Lord will say something. And He'll tell me something I need to hear. So we need to 
talk with the Lord, but also listen to the Lord. Notice verse 43, and fear came upon every soul. Fear. Do you know the only time the Bible tells us to fear is to fear God? There was a fear of God that came upon these people, a respect for God. You see, we live in a day today where there's very few God-fearing people still in this world today. Oh, we call him God and so on and so forth. But you see, to fear God is to reverence him. And they were there in reverence of God. Fear came upon every soul. And notice what God did. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles or through the apostles. God worked miracles in that church. And notice I said God did it. And that's what it says. Through the apostles or by the apostles. God used them. God used those Ten, uh, twin, 12 men that he had trained and that he had spent three and a half years with and teaching them how to do things and showing them how things were done and they were seeing and learning all along. When somebody came in that was sick and they prayed for him, God moved in their midst. God healed that person and other things that was happening there. There's, there were uh, wonders and signs that were done through the apostles. A healthy church is one that God's at work in, and that God is still able to do His work in and through them. I, I remember a, a passage of Scripture, I believe it's in the book of Luke, where Jesus went into a little town. And it says something like this, and Jesus could do no mighty work there, Jesus could do no mighty work there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Except he healed a few sick folks. Jesus wanted to do great things in that town. But people didn't believe him. They didn't believe he could do things. He touched a few sick folks and left town. Verse 44, and all that believed were together and had all things common. This is a church that was united. They were together. All the believers were together and had all things common. That means they shared what they had. Notice what it says in verse 45. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They were a generous church. They were a sharing church. They were not selfish. That's the idea here. But they were willing to share what they had with whoever needed it. You know, that's, that's the mark of a healthy church is a giving church. This church is a giving church, and I thank you for that, and I, I commend you for that. God blesses those who are willing to give. He, he pours out more blessings on us. The way to get more is to give more. That's, 
That's usually the other way around, isn't it? But that's God's plan. Give more and you'll get more. But it doesn't end there. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. There was needs in the community that they met because they had the means to do it. Uh, you get over about the fifth chapter and you find where there was a man over there that he had a, uh, a, an estate and he sold it, gave it to the church. There was a couple there that they saw that and they decided that they would sell theirs and make a pretense of giving it to the church. They gave part of it but they pretended and God struck them dead because of their pretense, because their heart wasn't right. Their heart wasn't in it. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be noticed rather than God getting the glory. But they, they sold their possessions and parted them to all men as every man had need. It wasn't a thing where you just give everything away because you think God expects you to. But there was a need that was met. And they continuing daily with one accord. There's that phrase in one accord again. 120 in one accord. Now here's 3,120 in one accord. Pretty big car, isn't it? You didn't get that. They continued daily in one accord, the harmony that was there. David said something like this, how good and how pleasant it is when men dwell together in unity. That harmony that comes from being one, of being united, they were together in one accord. Where? In the temple. They went to the temple. God's house was there in Jerusalem. They went there very often, every day it seems like. They were there in the temple. And then not only were they together and in one accord there in the temple, but read on, and breaking bread from house to house. Some of those 3,000 lived around Jerusalem there. Some of those 3,000 were from far away and other countries even. So they went from house to house. I can imagine families opening their home up to people that had come from another country and saying, come on, you're my brother, you're my sister now. Come on, spend the night with us. And they'd fellowship together around the table and, and eat together and just have a wonderful time of sharing life with each other. And that's one thing that, that God's people has something that we can share with each other about is we can share about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ with other people who are of like mind and they understand what we're saying and many times they can help us by sharing their lives and it's just a wonderful thing for people to fellowship together. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house they did eat their meat with gladness. They were glad. God's people ought to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We've got something to be happy about. 
There's an old song that says, glad day, a wonderful day. But we've got a reason to be glad here. God's blessed us with so much. God has given us so much. But yet it seems like the more we get, the more we want. And the more we gripe and complain. But we ought to be glad people. People of gladness and singleness of heart. You know, when God's people really get right with God, there's a singleness of heart. It's not this one wanting that thing and another one wanting that thing. But God works in our lives and brings us to where we're single-minded. Singleness of heart. That we're in unity one with another. We want what God wants rather than what we want. That's a healthy church. It's a church that wants what God wants. And then they were a praising church in verse 47. Praising God. Who better to praise than to praise our Lord? Some of them had walked with Jesus. Some of them had talked with Jesus. Some of them had spent time with Jesus in person. Some of them had only heard of him. But they were all praising God. They had all come to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They knew what it was to have the Holy Spirit inside of them and bubbling up in them and giving something for them to praise God about. That's one of the marks of a healthy church. It's a praising church. Praises God for His goodness. Oh, that men would praise God. Praising God. And notice, and having favor with all the people. Now that's not, all the people is not talking about having favor one with another. They had favor out in the community. They had favor over in the next town. People heard about what was going on in the church that was formed there in Jerusalem. People liked what they heard. They had favor with them. I remember a day when the church had the favor of the community around it and the community respected the church. That's changed, hasn't it? It's changed a lot. There's still some respect for the church. There's still some people who, who, who love the church and who still respect God's people. But there's also a group of people that do not respect us. Perhaps it's because we come and sit inside the walls instead of going out in the community. That can have a lot to do with it. If they think that the church doesn't love me, if they think the church doesn't want them, then we're not going to have favor with them. But when we get outside the walls and we begin to move through the communities and we begin to get acquainted with our neighbors and, uh, and make friends with them and they see that we're not some, uh, well, some stuck up saint. Let me just go ahead and say it. But we're a caring Christian person who loves them will have favor in the community. And notice what happens. And the Lord 
not Peter, and the Lord, not the church, and the Lord added to the church. How often? Daily. Wow. Every day there was someone being saved. Every day there was someone following Jesus in believer's baptism. Every day the church was growing. And the same God that was adding to that church is the same one today who is willing to still add to his church daily those that were being saved. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Those are the people the Lord adds to his church. Those who trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Those who are saved. What are they saved from? Well, they're saved from their sins. They're saved from hell. They're saved from themselves, really. When he saves us, it's a wonderful thing. You remember back to that day when you met Jesus? You trusted him as your Lord and Savior. You remember how it felt to know that you were forgiven of your sins? Do you remember how it felt to know that God loves you? You remember how it felt to know that you were a part of God's church, a part of a family of God? Oh, what a wonderful day when people trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We used to sing a song, it's a day I'll never forget. And I talked to people, and I've talked to some that are several years old. My mind just went to a, a lady that I, I met in the nursing home in Battle Creek, Michigan. Her daughter attended the church that I pastored in. She said, Pastor, I'd, I'd love for you to go by the nursing home and visit with my mom. Says she's from Tennessee and she would love to meet someone from Tennessee. And I said, well, I'll sure do it. And I, I got her name and where she was at and I went and went into her room and introduced myself to her. And she said, you're a preacher? I said, yes, I'm a preacher. She said, and you're from Tennessee? I said, yes, I'm from Tennessee. She said, I'm from Tennessee too. And she said, you're a Baptist? And I said, yes, I'm a Baptist. And she said, I'm a Baptist too. And I said, well, tell me about when you were saved. Now this woman was right at 100 years old. And boy, her face perked up. And she started telling me that when she was 12 years old, how that she said they were running a revival at our church in Hanging Limb, Tennessee. I didn't know there was such a place. But she said, it's during that revival. She said, God got a hold of my heart and I, I got saved that night. And she says, I've been saved ever since. I'd go back to see her and I'd walk in the room and I'd call her by her name and she'd say, you're a preacher, aren't you? 
I'd say, yes, ma'am, I am. You're a Baptist preacher, aren't you? I'd say, yes, ma'am, I am. You're from Tennessee, aren't you? Yes, ma'am, I am. Well, let me tell you how I got saved, she'd say. And she'd, she'd tell me every time. I knew her testimony as well as she did. But you see, it was something wonderful that had happened to her. Something gracious that had happened to her when the Lord Jesus came to live in her heart. And it's something you don't want to be ashamed about. It's something that you're glad about, that Jesus has come to live in your heart. What a wonderful time she had had with the Lord all of those years. She had asked me to do her funeral. And I was out of town when she died. But my wife called me and told me about her passing away, and I, I hurried back to town. Her daughter had already gotten someone else to, to do her funeral, but I didn't get there for the funeral. And I've often thought about that dear lady from Hanging Limb, Tennessee. And you know, I was chaplain at Sweetwater Hospital. I was eating lunch one day. And the administrator of the hospital came in and he sat down at my table and we began to talk. And I said to him, where are you from? I thought he was from Etowah. He had lived here and he'd worked at the hospital here. And he said, well, I'm from a little place over in West Tennessee called Hanging Limb, Tennessee. I said, you mean, Rhett, there really is a place called Hanging Limb, Tennessee. I'd looked on the map and I never could find it. He said, yes. He said, I was back over there a few weeks ago. And says, I drove through the old town. And he says, all the stores are boarded up and nobody there anymore. It's just a ghost town. So if you ever find a place called Hanging Limb, I want you to remember that little lady that got saved there. I don't know how many more may have come out of that little town that were good Christians, but there was one that I know of that loved the Lord. Do you love Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? If he's not, he would love to come into your life and be your Lord and your Savior. And it'll be a day that you'll never forget. Let's stand and bow our heads in a moment of prayer. And during this invitation time, this is open for you to come. If you need to come and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, need to come for prayer, for healing or whatever, this invitation is for you. Father, we thank you for the love of Jesus. Thank you how you've touched our hearts and our souls through your word. Thank you, Lord, how you continue to build your church. And your church is built upon that solid rock. Father, we thank you that you love your church. And we thank you for this church, Lord, that you've placed here in Etowah, Tennessee, to reach out to the people that are here. And Lord, we pray that God, that you'll bless this church and may it ever grow and prosper and see many, many souls come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting with us here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray.